We thank you, Lord. We praise your wonderful name. We give you the praise and glory for all things. We ask you, Jesus, to bless this Sunday school session here this morning. Bless our morning service, Lord, today as well. We ask you to bless all of our Sunday school classes. Bless every student here, Jesus, to learn your word, to study the things of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to your friend next to you. Shake their hand and greet them in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We're happy for all of you that are with us today. Amen. I am going to pick up today on our Sunday school lesson where we left off two weeks ago. Uh, Last week, of course, we spoke in the morning service and Brother Richie taught the adult Sunday school class. And this morning I'm going to uh, pick up where I left off two weeks ago. And uh, I'm just going to sort of review here a few things that we talked about. We were talking about the, the coming of a one world religion. I'm in the book of Revelation, and uh, I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter 13. And uh, this is something that uh, is developing slowly and will develop in the world. And it is an attitude toward having one world religion, and I'm going to tell you what kind of religion it will be, what kind it will be. And if you look at chapter 13, the first uh, two verses in it, I'll just give you a description here of what it says. It says that there was a beast that rose up out of the sea. It's a symbolic term of, uh, of, of spiritual things. A beast rose up out of the sea uh, having seven heads and ten horns. And it was like a leopard, had feet like a bear, mouth like a lion, and so forth. And uh, then finally down in verse 4, It says, and they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast. They worship the dragon. We're talking about the people during the tribulation period of time. And this is after the rapture has taken place. The rapture will have already taken place. The tribulation period will have started at chapter 6. And uh, it would have been judgment and earthquakes and wars and many things that will be developing and then there's going to be a one world religion that will be, that will come out of that and uh it says here in verse four i'm jumping to 13 four here we've got a beast coming out of the sea it says and they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast now to identify the dragon uh in 13 four back up to uh chapter 12 verse 9 12 9 And if you look at this verse with us, and it says, And the great dragon was cast out, that is, of heaven, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And so this is a a thing that happens in the spirit world in this chapter 12. And so when the devil comes upon the earth, the earth will be grossly wicked, very exceedingly wicked. He won't just be up there someplace, but he will be here upon this earth. So when you get to chapter 13, verse 4, and they worship the dragon, which is the devil, which is Satan, uh, that old serpent. You can call it whatever you want to, but uh, this is uh, how the Bible terms it. And uh, then it also goes on to say here in 13, 4, I'm still reading here in Revelation 34, 
They worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast and they worshiped the beast, the beast. Now, who is the beast? If you look at the last verse in chapter 13, last verse in chapter 13, verse 18, said, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast for it is the number of a man. Everybody get that? The number of a man. And it says here, and his number is 603 score six, which is 666. A lot of us are familiar with that being the number of the Antichrist. The word Antichrist was, uh, is termed by John, not John in the book of Revelation. Uh, he's the same John, but John who wrote the epistle John, the first, second, third epistles John, and the, and the gospel of John. And he termed him the Antichrist. Uh, Paul talk, called him the uh, man of sin and son of perdition, things of that nature. So he has uh, different titles, but he's spoken of from Daniel on. Uh, he's spoken of here in the Bible. Jesus even talked about him, the Antichrist. He says, me, you have not received, but there cometh one after me, him you will receive. And he was speaking of the Antichrist that was going to come, that the world would receive him. Now, there's one other verse of scripture I want you to see in 13. It's in 13, 8. This is Revelation 13. We're still there in 13, 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so this is talking about those people on this earth, the people that are, that did not go in the rapture. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. So this is going to be a one world government, one world government, one world religion atmosphere in which the world will eventually come to. And this is why that you see things working in the world like they are today. And all of these world religions, we talked about this two weeks ago, and I won't get into detail on this today, but they are all working toward that. They're all working toward that, all these various religions and beliefs and so forth. Uh, I mentioned, and I may go into more detail sometime later on, about in the Muslim religion, uh, there is a group of Muslims, the Shiites, and then within the Shiites, there is what they call the, the uh, 12th Imam, Imam, the 12th Imam Shiite, in the, in the 12th Imam Shiite religion. And they believe that the 12th Imam is like uh, the, the caliphate of the, the Muslim world, that he is still living. Since 900 AD, he's still alive. They believe that. And that he is hiding out in a mountain someplace. And he's called the Mahdi. And the Mahdi is going to one day come forth. And whenever the world is really on fire and the world is at war, he'll come forth and lead the Muslim world to victory. And they believe that and they follow that. Uh, the prime minister of, uh, of Iran, not the one that's there now, but the one that was before him, uh, Imadimajad, he believed that. He was one of those 12th Imam Muslims. I won't go into detail on that, but... There's a lot of stuff out there in the world, and uh, sometimes we here in America who feel very safe and secure in our religion and in our democracy and in our country and so forth, we forget what's going on in other parts of the world and we don't always know what all is out there. But I'm just telling you here, the world is headed for a one world religion type situation. Now, what we've seen here is that the one world religion is gonna be a worship of Satan and a worship of the Antichrist. And the Bible goes on to say, it says, it says in one place, 
But anyone who does not do that, they'll be killed. It goes on to say that nobody will be able to buy or sell. This I read the 18th verse, 17th verse says, no man shall be able to buy or sell. He say that he that hath the mark of the beast. And so, it's, in other words, it's a have-to thing. And so everybody will follow that, and that'll be the, the way that they will go. And uh, it's because that uh, Satan has always desired to be worshipped. Now, uh, I want to give you a handout here. Brother uh, Eddie has uh, some handouts for us, and you ushers will help, help us. I'm going to give you a handout here uh, called The Overcoming the Besetting Sin. And some people believe, and I believe as well, that this uh, sin of Satan is the besetting sin. And it's the sin of pride and arrogancy that we have to always put down in our own selves. Because if, if, we, if we get lifted up with pride, I'm going to talk to you about this this morning. If we get lifted up with pride and arrogancy within ourselves, we're falling into the hands of Satan because this is the sin of Satan. This is the sin of Satan. The sin of Satan is that self-glory and egoism. Egoism is how you think of yourself being very high. Egotism is talking about yourself, promoting yourself to be high. Egotism. Egoism is the actually belief that you are very high. And uh, when you get those, I'm gonna take a moment here and read this to you, and you're welcome to keep that. Uh, I used this in one of uh, a previous lesson that I taught here several years ago. And uh, if you would, I'm going to take a moment to read his big letters. Be easy to read. I got it that way so I can use it on the overhead. It says, the sin of Satan is the sin of self-glory and egoism. Everybody, everybody there, let me give you a moment here to get everybody a handout. I don't want to jump the gun on you here. But we're talking about the sin of Satan. And I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you here in Ezekiel and also in Isaiah in just a moment. All right. Are we there? Anybody that doesn't have a hand out, y'all raise your hand. Everybody's got it. Okay, here's one right here, brother. Uh, brother, right here. Uh, Matt, over here on this side, there's a couple of them. All right. And then there's a group right over here. All right. We got Do we have enough? That's the main thing. Okay, all right. All right, now if you look at this first line with us, the sin of Satan is the sin of self-glory and egoism. It brought about Satan's rebellion against God and eventually his expulsion from heaven. And this is found in Ezekiel 28 and also Isaiah 14. We'll read those verses in a minute. This sin of self-exaltation was and still is perpetuated by Satan in the human race as pride, greed, and selfishness. It is revealed in mankind's first sin when Satan tempted Eve with the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the sin that promised Adam and Eve that they would be as gods, this is Genesis 3, 5, because became their destruction, this belief. Perhaps this a sin of self-glory was the besetting sin that Paul mentioned in Hebrews 12, 1, in which he reminded us that our personal will and ambitions must always remain subject to his will and glory. Uh, next paragraph, when Jesus was on earth, he was God manifest in flesh, 1 Timothy 3, 16. His coming was to redeem us through Calvary to make us ready for heaven. 
In doing that, he taught us the importance of always giving God the glory and to deflect the temptation of taking any glory for ourselves. If we follow the teachings of Jesus, we deceit Satan, defeat Satan in his efforts to diminish the glory that's due God, and we become overcoming Christians. The last paragraph, this is why Jesus in the entire New Testament had so much to say about God's contempt for pride and his respect for humility. There's one scripture that says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will, humble, he will raise you up in due time. And there's other scriptures that talk about if my people who, will, uh, who call out to my name will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven and so forth. There's numerous scriptures in that respect. I want to talk about this sin of Satan a little bit. Would you turn with me to the book of Isaiah? I'm going to use, use the, word, the scriptures in Isaiah first, and we look at Ezekiel. Go to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, and I touched on this very briefly at the end of our class two weeks ago. And if you look at this very quickly here, this is the description of Satan's fall, and this is the sin of Satan, 14, 12 of Isaiah. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Look at verse 14. I will ascend above, above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And verse 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So this was Satan's desire to be exalted like God and be lifted up. Uh, Ezekiel speaks about it in, verse, in chapter 28, Ezekiel 28. I'm going to begin here in verse 13. I'm just going to read some select verses because it's, uh, it's about eight or nine long. These verses are very long here in Ezekiel 28. And I'm going to just touch on a few of them here very quickly. Uh, look at 28:13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. He's talking about the devil here. I'm jumping very quickly then to verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub. Notice that cherub. Cherub is an angel. Thou, thou art the anointed cherub. In other words, Satan had a very prominent place among all the angels with God, but he got exalted and lifted up. This tells about it. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. God says, I put you there. Verse 15, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. Notice created, not born. This is not talking about a man. This is talking about Satan, the fallen angel. He says, thou, until, uh, they, thou was created, verse 15 here, till iniquity was found in thee. Iniquity. Iniquity is rebellion against divine authority. That's iniquity. Sin is the actions taken against God. But iniquity is whenever it starts developing in the heart. I don't have to listen to God or the word or the Bible or nobody else. I do my own thing. I am my own person, my own guy and so forth. And it's a resentment and a rebellion against anything that God has to say. Anytime you take a position against God's word, when God teaches his word, it is a form of iniquity, and that's how Satan started. And the Bible says here, till iniquity was found in thee. I'm jumping down very quickly here. The last part of verse 16 also says he was the, the cherub, covering cherub. Verse 17, very quickly. 
Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast cor corrupted uh, thy wisdom by the reason of thy brightness. Look at verse 18. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. And so forth. Then it goes on to say, but thou shalt be brought down and destroyed and so forth. And so I'm just pointing this out. These, this is a description here of what uh, Satan's sin was. Satan's sin was iniquity. It was rebellion against God. I don't have to listen to God. I don't have to listen to nobody. And I want praise and I want to be gloried. I want to be lifted up and I want the angels all to glorify me. And finally, he wants the human race to do the same thing. Now, Satan desires to be worshipped. Everybody with me on that? Let me show you another verse of scripture. I want you to look at Mark 4, 8. Mark 4, 8. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 4, 8. Matthew 4, 8 is where Jesus was tempted in the wilderness when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus ate no food nor drank any water. Only three people in the world has ever done that. Moses, Jesus, and Elijah. And they went 40 days without water. If you ever fast, never fast without water. You need water. We're, we're too mortal. <laughs> so when you fast, fast without water. Some of you have gone on long fasts. I know you have. And I have in my, in my past years as well. But uh, fasting is you do without food and so forth. But don't go without water. Amen. I'm just saying that for what it's worth. But Jesus fasted without food or water. And after 40 days, Satan came to him and tempted him three times. Now, the last temptation, I'm going to read to you just a few words here, that Satan came to Jesus. He said, first one, he said, turn these stones into bread. Jesus said, uh, you know, the man should not live by bread alone, but by everywhere that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And... Uh, goes on to tempt him again, you know, for, cast yourself down and the, the angels will bear you up. And he said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Don't ever think you can do something dangerous and expect God to bail you out. Don't, he's giving you common sense not to do something crazy and dangerous. Don't get on the highway and drive like a fool. <laughs> Everybody with me? And say, oh, God will take care of me. Ah, don't, don't tempt the Lord thy God. And that's what the devil said, cast yourself down. God will bear you up because you're, 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 the, uh, you know, you're, you're the Messiah. And he said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So forth. Don't play with snakes, snake handlers, you know, all that stuff. That's tempting God. And one guy did that. He got bit and died, the guy that was ahead of it all. Okay, I won't go any further. This is the last temptation. Now, this is where I'm going. Everybody stay with me here. Look at 4.8. And the devil taketh him up in, uh, into a high exceeding mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. The devil now shows Jesus all the, all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And that's what Satan wanted all the time was, was for, to be worshipped, and he wanted Jesus to worship him and said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus replied, and always answering him with a scripture, that's what Jesus did. That's why that you have scriptures and you've memorized them and you've learned them. God bless our kids that are in this Bible quizzing and they learn all those scriptures. Those scriptures will come back to them at a time when they need to be able to quote them. And you can quote them to the devil, and the devil will flee from the word of God. And that's the truth. That's the truth. You can say the word of God. Amen. Quote the scripture. 
And Jesus always quoted the scripture. And here's what Jesus said to him when he said, fall down and worship me. Verse 10, then said Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And of course, he put the devil in the Bible, said the devil leaves him for a season. And he, and he left him from that point on. And Satan never bothered him anymore. Can I just say one word here for what it's worth? This is digressing a little bit. But when Satan says, if you will worship me, I give you all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, he was lying. I can take you to Daniel chapter 4 and chapter 5 and show you three places in Daniel chapter 4 and one place in chapter 5 where it says that the Lord God Almighty puts men in places and high positions in the kingdoms of this world. Four places it says that. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. There's four of them there. that says that God Almighty is the one that puts people in high position. Here the devil is telling Jesus, I will do this if you worship me. He lied, folks. Every time he talks, he lies. That's why you don't want to listen to the devil. Amen. Everybody with me on that? Amen. Praise God. Anything against the word of God is Satan lying against the word of God. And so uh, Jesus uh, was tempted, and of course he refuted the powers of darkness here and Satan's uh, attempt to get him to worship him. Now, let me just talk to you for a moment. All praise and all worship and all glory goes to God. I know, I know some people say, and I'm, I'm talking to people who are on this borderline stuff. They say, oh, why does God want to be praised all the time? Why does he want to be worshiped all the time? I've even heard people say, is he on an ego trip or something? And all that kind of mess. Folks, let me just be very honest with you. God made everything. And he made you and me. And he is worthy of all praise and all worship. He is worthy of that. That's not something that we just do because, oh, we feel like doing it and maybe God will be happy if we do it. He's worthy of that. He's worthy of all praise and glory. You wouldn't be breathing if it wasn't for him. You wouldn't be moving. I wouldn't be standing up here talking if it wasn't for God and him giving me life. The very, our very existence as human beings, he has given to us. We have that because God is the one. He lighteth every man that cometh into the world. I know mom and dad, you know, they, you know, they passed along to us our lives in that fashion. But the Bible says that the Lord lighteth every soul that comes into the world. If God didn't give us life when we were born or when we were conceived or however it was done, we wouldn't be here today. And then he gives us health and he gives us mentality and the ability to think and all of that. And you cannot praise him enough for all of those kind of things. All praise is worthy of, of, unto God. But Satan would like for us to take away that praise from God. If, we can, if he can diminish that, if he can get it away from God and get it to something else or somebody else, eventually maybe he can get it to himself because that's, that's Satan's craving and that's what he wants. He wants to be praised and exalted. And he has done nothing, nothing. And God has done everything, so he is worthy of all of our praise. Let me have you go to the book of Psalms for a moment. I love these verses out of Scripture. I, I don't want to bore you here, but look at Psalms 150. 
Look at Psalms 150. Praise you the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Verse 2, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Verse 3, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery. Praise him with the harp. Praise him with the 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 timbrel, which is the, the tambourine. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything which hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. The whole psalm is talking about praising God. It's the last psalm in the Bible. And then if we backed it up, and we looked at Psalm 149, it starts out first verse, praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Verse three, let them praise his name in the dance, let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. That's Psalm 149. If we backed it up to 148, look at this, starting with verse one. Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the highest, praise him with all his angels, praise ye him all his hosts, Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of the heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. And so were we, and therefore let us also praise God. Praise the Lord. It's all through the scriptures here. You could you keep going. Verse 40, 147 starts out. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praises calmly. Look at 146. It starts out with praise. Praise ye the Lord. Praise of the Lord, O my soul. While I will, while I live, will I praise the Lord? I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Praise the Lord. This is just worship. I'm going to read one other here, 145. I'm backing up. I'm going 150, and I'm going back now five, five psalms, and they all start out with that praise. Look at 145, uh, verse 1. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. And on and on, all through the psalms, You can read about praise because all praise and glory belongs to God. And folks, you never go wrong in praising the Lord. And let me just say something. Let me just say something here. I've lived for God for 60 years and I've been through just about everything you can think about. When you come to to the house of God, praise the Lord. Worship Him. Sometimes you come to church and you're lower than a gnat's heel. You ever heard that expression? That's pretty low, isn't it? I mean, you are that high. I've been there. You come to church, and everything in the world's gone wrong. Everything's upside down. And you don't know if you're going to be able to make it through this coming week. That may be somebody sitting here today that's thinking that way or feeling that way. You don't know if you're going to make it through tomorrow. There's all kinds of things. It could be financial, it could be family, it could be the kids, it could be a marriage situation, it could be your health. I mean, it could be, it goes on and on. It could be all kinds of things. And when you come to church, the last thing you want to do is just get into church. And you see somebody doing, you know, dancing in the spirit, or you see somebody running the aisle a little bit, and you say, man, that's the last thing I feel like doing. But let me just tell you something. I don't care how you feel. Always say, Lord, you are worthy of my praise. I don't care 
if I don't make it out today and outside and down the road, while I'm here, I'm going to praise your name. You may not have the loudest shout. You may not have the loudest praise. But you say, I'm going to get my hands up. And I'm going to say, Jesus, I love you. And I praise you. And I'm going to tell you something. You can be feeling like everything has gone wrong. But if you can get your hands up and get your voice up and say, Jesus, I praise you. If, I, if you can do that, you will begin to feel the moving of the Holy Ghost inside of you and the Spirit of the Lord moving inside of you. And pretty soon you'll be worshiping God and glorifying God. And the next thing you know, your faith starts coming up and you're saying to yourself, I don't know how it's going to all work out, but it's going to work out because God is with me and God is on my side. Am I not right? Am I not right? I remember years ago I was in Bible school and I was working from, from four, four in the evening to 12 at night and going to school in the daytime and, and working at this, uh, at this meat packing plant. Went in one day and they said, oh, there's been a big shift and everything and Myers, you have to go on day shift. I said, I can't go on day shift because I go to school in the daytime. Well, I'm sorry. <clears throat> if you can't go on day shift, just come pick up your check Monday morning. Boy, I drove home on a cold. Now, this is like January in Minnesota. I drove home, you know, I had that old denim jacket on and cold and the windshield wire. Whoosh, 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 cold and I don't know whether it was, I don't think it was snowing. I think it's too cold to snow. Did you know it gets too cold to snow? You people that's been up north, you know that. Old windshield wire. And me driving along and the further I went, the more depressed I got. I got so low. I said, God, I'm not going to make it. I know I'm not going to make it through school. I, I, I can't survive. And I just kept driving along. And when I got home, I was that high, just that high. I remember taking my old denim jacket off when I walked into my, in my room. I took it off. I threw it on the floor, fell on my knees, and I buried my face in the jacket. And I whimpered and whined around there a little bit. Felt sorry for myself. I did. I just said, I didn't know I'm making it, and I just felt so sorry for myself. And then I said, no, this is the time to praise the Lord. And I knew that, but it's hard to do when you're there. I think I'm talking to somebody here today. It's hard to do when you're there, but I knew it was a thing to do. And finally, I tried to whimper and wind around there a little bit and felt sorry for myself and shed a few tears there in that old denim jacket I had on I said Jesus I love you and folks when I said that I felt something go through me I said wow what's that I said Jesus I love you I praise you and all of a sudden I felt the presence of the Lord again and it wasn't long until I was kneeling there with my hands raised up and I was saying Jesus I love you I praise you with all of my heart it wasn't long I was up on my feet praising God. Next thing you know, I was walking around praising him. And for the next two hours, I praised and worshiped God and glorified him, not knowing what would happen, but knowing it would all work out. When I went in on Monday morning to get my paycheck, they said, hmm, Myers, would you like to be transferred to another department? I said, yeah, that's okay. I'm going to put you, I'm taking you from that department to another department. Oh, by the way, there's some extra money that you'll be making in that department because they have what they call bonus money that goes with that job. 
And oh, by the way, it's an easier job, and we need somebody in the evening shift to take care of that job. And it all worked out because God worked it out. But what I'm trying to tell you here, don't let the devil steal your praise. Don't let him take the praise out of your heart and out of your mind and out of your soul. Praise God. But keep on praising God and worshiping the Lord because the Lord has ordained praise. Hallelujah. Now, let me go a little bit further with this because uh, in, in ancient times, uh, there were those who did not worship God and would not worship God. And uh, I want to go a moment to Romans. If you go to Romans chapter 1 with me for just a moment. Uh, the ancient world following the flood all knew God. You know, Noah and his three sons and their wives, and then their children, and then their children after them and so forth. For three generations, these people worshiped God, followed the Lord. But when they came to the fourth generation, they began to pull away from God. And they began to say, oh, why should we worship the Lord? You know, we don't owe God anything. And they begin to have a, a sort of an attitude about it. I'm reading here from Psalms chapter 1, verse 21. It says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. This is what happened to civilization, all, all of the civilizations in the world. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. Don't ever be unthankful to God. Be thankful, folks. Praise the Lord. Thank him for your food. Thank you for your fact that you can eat a meal. Thank him for your clothes. Thank him for your car. Thank him for your home. Thank him for your family. Thank him for your church. Thank him, thank him for your job. It goes on and on and on. Thank him for your health. Thank him that you got up this morning. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons to thank the Lord. And so thank the Lord. Be thankful to him. And it says here that they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart <clears throat> was darkened. It was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. It goes on to say in verse 23, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God unto to an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. They begin to make statues and idols and they begin to make these to be represent the gods that they would worship and everything. And it, and it went on that way. The Egyptians used to worship cats. Did you believe that? Cats, you know? And as all through time, they've, They've had animals and creatures and things, birds sometimes they'd worship and so forth. <clears throat> and finally, it goes on to say in verse 25, I'm skipping out here to save time, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. And what I'm showing you here is that when men had a chance to worship God and serve God, and God, praise the Lord, was good unto them, and they failed to worship God. When they failed to do that, they began to lose it all, and they went downhill from there on, and you well know that. And the reason I'm pointing all that out to you is so that you understand here that this is why Satan wants any of us to stop worshiping God. He doesn't want you to worship God. He wants you to 
He wants you to just do your own thing and say, I don't need to praise, worship God. And this is what will come to pass in these last days. And this is what we're beginning to see a lot of today. And it's people who do not worship God, they will not worship God. I'm going to read a verse in Proverbs 16, 18 here. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So we get pride. Better is it to be an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And so what happens here is that arrogancy and pride begin to creep into their hearts and they begin to be lifted up with pride and they thought highly of themselves and they begin to think of themselves and get all puffed up, get all puffed up. I'm going to read a verse in 1 John here. This is a scripture I learned when I first got saved. There were some dear saints of God in the church that just taught us things and I appreciate it. Uh, I remember a sister saying, Brother Meyer, here's a verse of the scripture. I'll never forget it. I guess she thought maybe I was going to need it. I don't know. But here's what it is. 1 John uh, 2 and 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, the love of the world, I know we're in the world and there's things, but this is talking about loving the spirit of the world. The word world here also means the age, the spirit of the age. That spirit of the age, you know, uh, if you look at the old Roman Empire, they had a, a spirit about them. They'd had those big coliseums and people would come out there and fight to the death and they'd all cheer. I mean, it was the spirit of the age, you know. We have the th same thing in our day and, our, and time that we have here. Uh, I'm not a big believer in these uh, sports things and all this arena stuff. Pardon me, but I just think it's the spirit of the world, so I'll leave it there for whatever it's worth. But anyhow, it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Look at 16. This is interesting. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The pride of the life. Pride of life is a spiritual sin. It's what's on the inside. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, everything. But that pride of life is, is all about me, where I am in all this. Uh, it says the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And that pride of life is how the devil can trip us up sometimes. Let me show you what happened over here in the book of, uh, over here in the book of Genesis. Uh, whenever uh, Eve ate the fruit from the tree when Satan tempted her. Look what it says here in 3.6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. See that? Pride of life. Make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave it unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And so here is where they sinned. And of course, part of that sin was that the, the fact that they wanted to be lifted up with pride, with wisdom. And in seeking after the wisdom, they became foolish in their own heart because God is the giver of all of these good and wonderful things. Praise God. He's the one that gives it all. Amen. I, uh, I want to point out something to you because any one of us, any one of us, as God blesses us and God promotes us, we can be, become big-headed. We can become more than what we think we are or think we are more than what we are. Let me put it that way. And I, I want to use an example. I was reading this in the Bible the other day 
and I've decided to use it here in our services here today, but in the 26th chapter of 2 Chronicles, there was a wonderful king of Israel. Israel had been divided after Solomon died between the northern kingdom and southern kingdom. Northern called Israel, southern called Judah. Jerusalem was the capital city of the southern kingdom, Judah. Judah had good kings and bad kings. Israel always just had bad kings that led the people into idolatry. And it wasn't long until the Assyrians came down and conquered and captured Israel. But Judah continued to survive for another 150 years because they had good kings. This was one of those good kings. His father was a good king. And his name was Uzziah. Look at verse 3. I'm going to save time here just by hitting on a few spots. 26-3. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. He reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. And it goes on to say in verse 4, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. He sought God. Look at that. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And then he goes on to talk about <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> all the things that happened with him. Verse 9, very quickly, moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem. Verse 10, also he built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle. Verse 11, moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men. It goes on to say here that uh, in verse 12, Verse 11, verse 12, the whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600. He had 2,600 really outstanding, strong, unusually talented, gifted men in war. And then in 13, verse 13, and under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,500, 307,500 men strong army this man was powerful it goes on to say how that, that these uh, all of these nations honored him and respected him and, uh, and how that they would uh, they would bring him gifts and, and everything and then when you you read the last four words in verse 15 till he was strong he did all of these things till he was strong and then in verse 16 there's a big B-U-T there, but, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. Now, I'm not going to read here what happened, but let me tell you about Uzziah. With all of the place that God had placed him, one of the most successful and powerful kings since Solomon's time. And when he was lifted up, he decided being the king that nobody could tell him what he could do and could not do. And so he decided to go into the temple of God and go in there and offer incense on the altar of incense that was inside the tabernacle. Now, nobody was allowed to go in the tabernacle but the priesthood, the priests. And so he got a censer and he went in there and he stood at that altar and he was going to offer incense because he can do what he wants to. He's king, he's powerful. You see how he's lifted up now? God lifted him up, but in his own mind now, it's all about him. And 80, 80 of those priests went in there to him. And they said to him, Uzziah, king, please 
Come out of here. This is not your job, your responsibility, your duties. God forbids the kings to do this. This is only for the priesthood. He said, you don't tell me what to do. And he got angry at those men. You know, they're 80 priests, you know. They, they offered sacrifices and they did all the duties of the priests and they offered the incense and so forth. Everything. And he said, you don't tell me what to do. And while he was angry and yelling at them, all of a sudden those men went, <laughs> and they backed up and he put their mask on. And he stopped and he looked at them and said, what's wrong? And he was turning white as a leper. The Lord put leprosy all over him. And they said, O king, you are a leper. You have no right in the house of God, and you have no right among the people. And they grabbed him and rushed him out. And he would say, oh, my God, oh, my God. They took that guy and put him in one of his little palaces way off out in the woods someplace and forbid him to come near civilization from that time on. He was ostracized to the day he died. Even though he was king, somebody else had to run the king, the throne for him. I'm just saying God brought him down just like that. And I just want you to know here today that God, praise the Lord, will bless us if we will let God bless us. And he wants to help us, but we've got to give him the praise. And I don't care how much God blesses you. And, and, some, and some of you folks, God has blessed you financially. You've been abundantly blessed financially. Always give God the praise and the glory. Hallelujah. I had a friend and still has a friend. He's worth millions of dollars. He's, he was a broke, grew up in a home missionary church. And uh, he sold one of them. He had five, six, I think seven corporations. He sold one of them for $57 million. I mean, this is, this is just one of his corporations. He sold it. And uh, I'm just telling you that his wealth is nothing. But he told me when he said, Brother Myers, I know where it all comes from. It all came from God. I had nothing. I had nothing. I had a little tool and die shop in my garage at home. And he said, God has blessed me and honored me and gave me contracts from General Motors and everything. He had the sixth largest plastic uh, factory and plant in the world. In, in the, in, in, in the world. And uh, he said, the Lord has just blessed me and honored me for it. But I know that. And I give God all the praise and the glory. And I don't care what God does for financially or whether it's just promotions of whatever it is, politics or society or, or whatever, you know, a doctor or an outstanding physician or whatever it is, always give God the praise and the glory and say, God, it's all because of you. And folks, if we will do that, one day we'll walk streets of gold. And one day we'll hear the trumpet sound. Hallelujah. One day we'll hear the pearly the gates click by on our heels and we're on the inside. Hallelujah. Because God has got yet the greatest things in the world for his people. Would you stand with me right now? Let's lift our hands and worship God and praise him. Right now, let's just praise the Lord. Let's thank him. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, Jesus, for your blessings and goodness, God. Lord, we thank you for this congregation. Bless every soul here. Help us always to give you the praise and the glory, God, for you are worthy of it always, always, God. We'll never hold 